What up? Are you ready for this one? I am very ready for this one. I'm already smiling thinking about this one. Episode 114 is going to be a part of the interview series on the Here We Go podcast. Just trying to get around to a bunch of different topics by talking to a bunch of different friends from different phases of life. Talked with John Bush about music, Peter Lavolsi about movies, Josh Friday about politics and government. Talked with one of my students, Ava Francis Hall, about journalism. Talked with Alan Sliwa about sports radio. Recently talked to Nick Contoriotis, my buddy who is now a firefighter but was an army captain. So just trying to get many different segments of life discussed in depth right here on the old podcast. But for today's show, I wanted to get my buddy Brandon Lai to talk about video games and art and just life. It's interesting to know that a lot of us have lifelong friends, but we might not know a whole lot about what their life is like in the workplace, what their professional day-to-day looks like. And his professional day-to-day is just flat out interesting to a lot of people because he works in the video game industry. He's the lead concept artist at Hangar 13. He's worked in the video game world for many, many years. And he's also just been a close friend, a lifelong friend of mine for so many years. So I've seen his process. I've seen him go from just a comic book sketch artist when he was little to developing that skill to the point where you realize, oh, he's gifted. He's creating at an elite level. And I figured to a lot of my students, this seems like a dream job and also an industry I know virtually nothing about. So I was excited to get Brandon on. I asked him a few days ago, would you be interested? And I was kind of hesitant. Here's a guy who has no ego, very modest guy. I thought he would say, no, no, thanks. No one wants to hear from me. But he said, sure, sounds fun. And then he texted, kind of nervous. And I said, don't be. Just pretend it's us two talking. No one's listening. Even though, of course, the millions are tuning in for this episode. So like I said, even though I know nothing about video games today and the actual video game industry that's constantly generating more and more money and more revenue and more interest, I still find it all to be fascinating. I'm watching this show on Netflix, this miniseries called High Score, just telling stories, the inside stories about how so many of these games from back in the day were created, and they're great stories. Just the arcade world of the 80s being described, all those games, who wrote the ideas, who came up with the ideas, who pitched the ideas. It's a great show, even if you're not into video games. It's just good nostalgia, because I do remember the early Nintendo craze. I think my grandparents were visiting, and that was a big grandparents' gift. Duck Hunt and Mario and the NES, Nintendo Entertainment System, two controllers, the console, and the Duck Hunt gun. And that pretty much consumed us. My sister and I played that all day, every day for about a year in the late 80s. And then I just stopped progressing. Cold turkey. I never got into Super Mario 2 or Super Nintendo or any PlayStation or any Xbox or any Sega Genesis or Dreamcast. I just stopped. I don't really know why it didn't capture me anymore. But of course, I loved the early stuff. So Brandon Lai is here today to go down memory lane. We're going deep down memory lane and also to hear about what his life is like as a professional artist, how colorful his world must be. So sit back, relax, grab a drink, grab some popcorn, put in those earbuds or AirPods and find some time for this one because it's time to meet the one and only Brandon Lai. Luckily, this is not live. (laughs) We're ready to roll. 
All right, okay. and you, you said yes to this, which was surprising because I know you don't really love discussing your accomplishments and your talents and your skills, but I'm demanding that you do because I'm surrounded with gamers every day and teenagers that are just fascinated with the video gaming industry. And I guess I am too in a way because I even heard some people talking about how much money you could just make playing online. And it's a $90 billion industry and growing and growing and growing. And then when I talk to you, I don't totally know what you do day to day, even though you're one of my closest friends. So as a lead concept artist, can you even explain concept art? Like I can understand digital art. I could understand painting and sketching, but what does concept art even mean? Huh? Uh, it's a, it's a question that's been asked for a long time and confused with illustration, but concept art is conceptual design. It's taking ideas the written the written word and giving it a visual representation so it's it's taking you know descriptions of characters worlds props um you know storyboards all that into a 2d even a 3d representation now so is your imagination just always going full throttle? Like, are you living this job where sometimes your creativity just is inspired and you have to write it down and say, I have an idea. I got to get this down and try to bring it to life. For me, um, I get more inspired of other people's words and other people's ideas. I think that's why I think me being at a company, I think I thrive a little bit more. I think freelancers, they can do that a lot, a lot well. They just they have a lot of ideas. They push it on the pen and pad, paper, whatever, or digitally. Um, for me, I like to be in a group. I like to you know think about a story, or if they have a story, a pitch a story. I like to absorb that, and then for me to just create upon their words and ideas. For me, that's really fun. Yeah, and it's so interesting, Brand, because you don't just create these games, but you play them, and you've been playing them forever mm -hmm. since you were a little kid. Can you even describe what makes it addicting? And I'm not just asking what makes a good game, but what makes it so you're so drawn into it where you don't even want to go outside the whole day? <laughs> oh, tell that to my wife and my mom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's the story. It's so engaging. So stories these days are you know written by writers who do movies. You know, like you are the actor you're the lead actor or supporting actor ah. and you can engage and you make your own decisions you know a lot of the times games have a certain path and you, you go on the path but you choose to pick something up you choose to shoot at a certain point in time you know at the right you know direction the right target so instead of just watching mindlessly watching something you get to engage and completely enwrap yourself in these worlds these stories um and then for me the crack what i call the crack is those items you want to get you want to improve your character you want to improve the weapon system the armor system all these goodies that you get in a game there's always upgrading and that's where the thirst comes from because you wake up and like oh my god you know i i it takes time right so you wake up and like i gotta get that i gotta get that i gotta i gotta put in some time and, and get that and for some reason it may be rewarding at the end mm -hmm. um it may not because you know like you get the toy and you're like that was fun for 10 minutes you know <laughs> yeah. it's kind of like that and then you're like oh i completely wasted you know weeks of, of my own time so you get consumed with the drama and then do you feel like your competitive spirit comes out where you're like i don't want to stop totally. until i feel like i'm conquering this exactly yeah is it's even worse when you have friends who do the same, right? They drag you back in. So, Is there ultimate satisfaction when you feel like you've reached the finish line? Or are you always just like, give me the next best thing. Give me the next best thing. Next best thing. I need the next next thing, yeah. 
Yeah, I kind of get it. Even though you just described it kind of like concisely, I do kind of get it. Can you describe a bad game? Like if you've tried to start a game, you were excited about it. It has a reputation, but it didn't just draw you in. What would make a game cause you to lose interest pretty quickly? Bugs. A lot of developers just throw shit out there and you're like, oh, this, this looks really cool. The graphics are great. Uh, but when you're playing it, it doesn't handle right. You know, there's things are jumping off the screen. It just wasn't made properly. Ah. So instantly you want to throw the controller and turn it off. <laughs> Wait, no, you don't want to. You do throw the controller. I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, are bugs common? This happens a lot? Oh, bugs is the number one killer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's uh, a lot of decisions on releasing games and content is not on the developer's choice, you know, it's on marketing, it's on it's on what I call the overlords of publishing, you know, di- distributors, people who, you know, own the studios, you know, sometimes it's not the developer's choice sometimes. A, da- a data set, if you don't meet it, we're shipping it anyway. Huh. You know, bugs fixed or not, we'll get as many bugs as we can and try to, you know, fix as many after it's released, which is bad. But these days, you know, games try to put everything into the game and there's just not enough time. There's just, there's just there's problems and development problems that you can't you know estimate for, and it, it just happens. And then you get bad reviews, and then the studio suffers. Yeah, I literally have not played a video game in over twenty years, but I saw a commercial. Don't. <laughs> don't. I saw a commercial. Is it called Red Dead Redemption? Is that a game? Yes. And the graphics, yes. just in the TV ad, blew me away. Everything you described, from the drama to like the self competition, you didn't mention the graphics. Are you drawn to that? Like, is that the main idea, or is that almost secondary when you think about all the elements that you prioritize above? When you're talking about Red Dead, that's pretty much like the holy grail of graphics. It's unreal. Right? That company has strived to be perfection within the environment. Um, to bring a sense of realism into their story. Like there's birds chirping, there's foxes, there's squirrels, there's deer, which you have to hunt, um, the, you know, fishing and everything. So besides actually going in the, the okay corral and shooting up, it's, it's a very cowboy type of game, but there, you can spend hours and days not even doing the game. Like you can go on and just watching water go against, you know, a roof and watch the, the raindrops fall into sure. the mud. Like they've pushed their their excellence, you know, to a different level. And that's what us gamers buy that game for. We're not like, hey, we really want to just have some quick fun or like, you know, we we go and we know what we're gonna get into when we buy Red Dead, you know. Well, when you yeah. say realism, to my mm-hmm. eyes, if I squinted, it looks like humans. So I guess I wanna ask, can it get better? Have we reached a point in the video game industry where it's as good as it could possibly look to the eyes? Or are we just going to get to the level where you can't decipher if these are humans or if this is a video game? Oh, my God. Uh, it's to this year, I think, uh, with the new consoles coming out, like PlayStation and Xbox, you know, they keep up upping their game and these gaming engines, such as like Unreal, Unreal Engine, very popular engine. They just did a, uh, a video showcasing their new technology, and it's literally too real. Like, I thought we've, we were, were at a stalemate, <laughs> right? Yes. We're at a plateau. What else can you do, right? Until they showed their uh, current engine, and it's it's the dust in the, in the god lights. You know, it's, it's when you – the biggest thing in gaming is close-up because the resolution is just too, too low mm-hmm. right now. So 
right now, when you look at, you know, a stone wall in their engine right now, it looks too real. Like if you put a microscope, you could see spores. You're like, what is this? You know, how can you do this? Whereas now, if you go into a flat rock space, it's still a little blurry because that's the resolution, right? It's like our TVs, right? The, we're getting to like 4K, 8K, whereas, you know, we're used to 1080p. So it's it just is mind-blowing. It's interesting because let's say you and I grew up with low def or standard def, whatever it was <laughs> called. But to our eyes, it was just fine. And as things progress, yeah, now I can only yeah. watch 4K. When we're watching the Niners, I can only watch a high-def football game, nothing else. But... Would you even enjoy vintage gaming? Like if I dropped off a Sega Genesis at your house, would it capture you in a fun way? Or are you just so far past that that you need it to be the next best thing? You're always searching for the next fix, if you call it crack. I kind of am. I'm spoiled. I think a lot of gamers are. But if you brought over Russian Attack or like Kung Fu from Nintendo, yes, yes. I'm, I'm, in. I'm so in. How many hours do you think you could sit down? If I brought over Kung Fu, Paperboy, Excitebike... <laughs> Zelda, how many hours do you think you could sit on that couch if you had nothing to do? If the kids were at the grandparents, your wife was away, give me a number of how many hours you could genuinely sit and play this. Approximately 56 hours. <laughs> I, I thought I, you were going to say seven I or eight. I've tested this. No. Um, <laughs> I've tested yeah, no, this. I've, wait, I've wait, wait. So I could pee in it uh-huh. and not move. <laughs> I can't tell if you're kidding. How many hours <laughs> can you play video games? A good one uh, nowadays. If you have no okay. time constraints. Um, a good six hours. Okay, that's a chunk. And I'm, you know, don't judge me, but I have done it at the age of 39. No, I'm not judging. I think this is almost the norm because I see these 15, 16-year-olds so tired every morning. And I go, why are you <laughs> tired? Like, it's 10 a.m. Why are you so tired? And they just go, I was playing Fortnite until 3 a.m. <laughs> I was playing Overwatch yes. until like 4 a.m. And I go, okay. And then I tell them one of my best friends ever works over at Hangar 13. And finally, I have their attention. I drop your name a lot. I actually do tell them. <laughs> and what's interesting is they, of course, would look at it as a dream job, what you do. But sometimes sure. I talk to you and you're stressed and you're saying it's not as glamorous as people think. And Hassan Minhaj on Netflix, he was doing that show where he kind of exposed the video game industry. What do you so find good. to be the big challenges like that people don't know when they just label your career dream job? What are those challenges that a lot of us just don't really understand because we don't work in it? Uh, what was that? The Patriot Act, I think it was. Yeah, exactly. Is that what the show is? Yeah, 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 God, exactly. That episode was amazing. It was it, good. It was a beacon for us, you know, because we are we feel like it's slave labor for sure. We don't reap the benefits. The studios do. You know, a lot of it is is the journey to get there. You know, there's the cliche thing of if you're passionate about something, you'll love it no matter what. Uh, it's very true. Um, I mean, there's definitely days where I'm like, I'm wearing shorts and a T-shirt. You know, people wear sandals. People <laughs> wear weirdest stuff. They don't shower because they feel like it's just some, you know, a lot of places are just kind of like this bro mentality. But um, please shower in, in any job that you have. But it's it's fulfilling, even even with the hard work. And I don't think I could ever do another job as you said like if, if i said hey you know what i gotta be a janitor uh-huh. uh I'd, I'd be like or i have to just push some pencils be a secretary do some social work um not to you know bag on anyone because i think certain jobs are fulfilling to them that's absolutely but I, I being in the industry now i'm like there's nothing else for me i've always known that about you yeah. I, i'm serious because i went to school with you and they make you take math and english and science and pe and i'm like this dude's gonna work in art like that's Brandon. And it's so cool that you're still doing this. 
Of course, challenges exist in many fields, but not all challenges involve sharing your art. So when you release something like Mafia 3, and you know it's going to be in the hands of critics, it's going to be in the hands of people all over the world, not just the country. Do you care what critics think? Do you care about the reception, or do you try to just close your ears to that? No, I did. It was, Mafia 3 was like my baby. You know, like it was my first AAA company, which means, you know, consoles and it's not mobile, it's not computer games. It was, well, we did release on PC, but, you know, consoles is what I play. So um, this was a huge, uh, you know, sequel to a franchise which I knew. And I was contributing a lot of art to it, you know, like yeah. I was in the engine, I was making signs, I was making clothing, I was substantially making designs upon being doing several different jobs actually in the company and being promoted several times to do different things um which was really cool but when it was released you know i was just like it's out there it's done like you know that that you know obviously the stress you know making a game sure it was two and a half almost three years you know like that's wow. out there now that's like standard is three years to sometimes it's like six years and then sometimes you get the axe at the sixth year you, you never know Fuck. um i know and then you get laid off. It's brutal. Uh, See, that's the slave so labor brutal. you're talking about. And then you get laid mm-hmm. off. Yeah. You don't get a lifetime contract, huh? So that, to answer your kind of question before, when you're talking about um, Patriot Act, that yeah. show, uh, that was the thing is job security in the gaming world, especially in concept art, it's so saturated that it you just it's hard to you know nail down some roots and that's the dream is to get some roots you know so if you had a company for more than five years you've had a really good like that's that's the dream is to be in a company for more than five years i almost feel like that was like radio too exactly you think so yeah it never felt like you could just get comfortable Mm -hmm. yeah five six years and they'll show you the door and maybe you're on to the next day are you competing you're competing though right Sure, but so are you. I mean, look, Mafia 3, you want people to buy it, appreciate it. You want the reception to be good. That's why I was saying, do you care about critics? And you were saying, yeah, you actually do. Yeah, yeah, you do. There's a little bit sometimes you're just kind of like, I don't care. It's out the door. Next job, you know. Mm -hmm. But I think for this one, for me and a lot of other people, you know, it was a labor of love and you wanted to get good reviews. And there's a lot of there's a big following for this uh, type of game in this franchise. So when we got kind of mixed reviews, it it was sad. And uh, we had um, a lot of hackers. And when we had a lot of hackers, they gave us bad reviews because we had a fail safe on the game where if they tried to hack it and on their computer, it would just go black black screen. So they would score us on Metacritic, which is like this national, you know, scaling system, uh, you know, review. So they gave us like nothing, zero, zero, zeros, because the hackers couldn't access the game because we put a failsafe for hackers. So that no one bought the game pretty much because we got so many bad reviews of randomness. Like, and, it, it was, you know, Mafia 2 is all about, you know, the Italian mob and Mafia 1 was also. People love the Italian mob. This was a little deviation away from it, but still connection to the, to the mob. People weren't having it. They were like, nah, this isn't Mafia. And we're like, yeah, it is. There's all the same characters in there. It's just, you know, it's 1969. It's a different time. Mm -hmm. You know, no one's wearing fedoras and, you know, Tommy guns. But um, that was the hardening part of it. And then that happens in games. Fuck that. I didn't know that. (laughs) Hackers were dropping zeros out of the Metacritic score. See, I'm happy you told me that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I know it's not it. That's not fair. Like if you're going to say rip the game, you know, criticize the actual game. But when you hear about that corruption behind the scenes, mm-hmm. that bothers me. I mean, yeah. you're like, think about creating the game and then just dealing with these morons who have access. Trolls, man. 
Trolls. I can never get trolls. used to it. I've realized that. I can't get used to it. When people say this is the new era of just toxic trolls, I, I can't. I think I just have to abstain and avoid. I end up typing like something really long, and then I'm like, I can't. Because you know someone's going to respond to you. <laughs> yes. And it'd be just yes. Huge yes. Battle, yes. And you're like, I really don't care. You know, I do care, but I just wanted to say something and then like, forget it, but they won't let you forget it. So it's like, ah, uh, delete, delete uh, everything I just wrote for the past hour. And then you would feel like they win. If I actually publish this or try to go toe to toe back and forth, they win. So I guess take a breath, go outside, appreciate your kids. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about our group of friends. I was kind of thinking about this. Nobody outwardly has a giant ego. We don't have any like arrogant friends, big ego friends. And I was thinking mm-hmm. you certainly don't have a big ego that I've seen. But when you share art with the masses, you have to have something. You have to have some kind of an ego. Do you deep down have this level of confidence where you know that you're creating quality stuff? Like You might not share that with me and our friends, but is there an ego that we don't see in the workplace? Um, you know, it's funny. When I Let's say I'll post something on Facebook or Instagram or uh, whatever. Um, the minute I post something, I'm kind of waiting on my phone to get like a, a like or like a, <laughs> a heart emoji you know, right. where someone's saying, that's amazing. Cause it, <laughs> I, it's so bad to say, but every artist does. And it, you know, it, like, Oh, some artists are like, no, you know, I just do it for, you know, the love of art and everything. Fuck off. <laughs> you, there's, there's a little bit of that for you. You want you know? the praise. Little, you want some self love, you know? Um, every artist thinks they're the best. And if you say that's shitty and you just burst their fucking bubble and then they, you can, you can just tell immediately that they just go silent and they're like, mm-hmm, and they just kind of like go off. But so you can admit that. I think it's a shame mm-hmm. that there's a stigma against saying I'm good at this. You're allowed to say that. Does it feel foreign to say I'm good at this? I'm an artist. I have a skill. I've never heard you say it. It's always me. I'm like your promoter. I'm like, this is the best artist. And you're like, all right, you yeah, are. fine. I am. But it's true yeah, for I my am. eyes. And I'm biased, I know, because we're lifelong neighbors and friends. But I've seen you create. I've seen your process. Mm-hmm. And I'm so blown away. Like when I go to museums or I see professional art, I don't see the process. I just see the finished product. When I've seen you create, there's just something about what your brain is doing, how your mind is relaying it to your hand, how you've mixed paint, how you see it like a visionary. Mm-hmm. I'm genuinely blown away. Like I could see that you have this level of genius, but I guess the question is, you're very aware of that, right? That you're exceptional. Sure. But I think oh, there's, there's another side where it's an artist is never done. So mm. I can put something and I'm like, Oh, that, that's really cool. I put it out there. I do want to get a little bit of praise, but I'll look at it next week and be like, oh, it kind of looks like shit. You know, like I should have, elongated the leg i should have added this the shading's terrible right here you know and so then then the art then the true artist starts eating away at, at, my, at your own ego so it's, it's kind of like a revolving door in a way. i get that and yeah. it's a process that you started as a kid like when i say comic book art fantasy mm-hmm. art i mean do you remember your first memories of attempting to draw a bicep or the ripple muscle in a thigh or like understanding with these comic book characters about how to make it jump off the page you even remember like have memories of being at home and just playing around with pens and markers all the time all the time a lot of concept artists uh kind of their birthplace was uh, drawing comics and kind of mimicking comic art uh and you gotta think your brain is a muscle i don't remember the first time i kind of just crappy sketches but i remember 
when I got serious into it, I bought inks and everything, pens and everything, the right paper. And then, you know, I, I was falling in love with like certain artists, uh, con- uh, comic book artists that really attracted me and I felt like could be my style. You know, and I think that happens to every artist. But I think it's comics is definitely a gateway for sure. Well, besides the name Stan Lee, sadly, the only name I would know. Tell me who else is on this Mount Rushmore? Like, who are the kings of the comic book industry that you just worshipped as a kid? Oh, man. Uh, First and foremost, it was Jim Lee. Uh, Jim Lee, who did the X-Men when he took over on issue 11. Uh, No, I'm sorry. He took over the X-Men from number one. But um, his style was so unique. And um, he really made women attractive. I mean, he would slap that ass on the <laughs> on the paper. And um, he was definitely number one. And then I had my other favorites, um, like Barry Windsor Smith um, and a bunch of other illustrators. But I really liked, you know, watercolor and paint as well. So Alex Ross was like, still Alex Ross is like almost like a god to me mm-hmm. because he does like these very regal superhero watercolor paintings for comics it's ridiculous because a comic is only so big and he does these like breathtaking you know watercolor lighted superheroes you know full action happening and that would take me like 20 years to do a page and he does it like like it ain't no thing wow so it's i i love all the way from pen illustrators comic book artists to you know of course there was um you know your your spawn creators and then you know all the all the big names but i think those i think encapsulate kind of like what really attracted me i think this is so cool that it's a lifelong passion there's not going to be a time where you're like okay now i'm done enjoying comic books and video games you've just become yeah you're an adult who still captures what you've always loved it's like the hip-hop you listened to when you were 15 years old still sounds good right yeah yeah so all this x-men art and what you're describing it still looks good it sounds good yeah the lyrics you're like I really listen to that. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. If you're talking about 93, 94, Vallejo Barrier rap. Oh, yeah. Do, do we really identify with that? No. But it was, I, I just actually downloaded Backmall, and it's it's amazing. He was good. All that stuff. All that Bay Area rap. Backmall, well, all of it, you had more than most people, like Young Lay. You had all these CDs. I was like, Bran, are you just collecting at yeah. this point, or do you actually enjoy it? But you became like a mm-hmm. hip-hop connoisseur. Real quick, the process. I know this is kind of a technical question, but I've seen you with like the pen illustration of Tupac, the Lauren Hill, the Lenny Kravitz, even Alan Amundsen, our buddy, when you painted him in his Marine Catholic football uniform. Do you see the end product? Like if you asked yourself, in my brain, I understand what this canvas is going to become, or as you're going, is it so fluid that the process is changing? Two things happen. I see the vision and... It deviates. It definitely creates its own thing, um, but it still maintains the kind of first idea that I had. Or it's the you know the other side of the pendulum where I have an idea and I can't do it, and then I get artist block, and then I get frustrated, and, and then it's over. When you say it's over, you will just walk away from a piece. Delete. Like I'll be on a Cintiq, you know, digital digital art, and I'll be painting and rendering and you know doing ideas for like an hour and a half, two hours, which is way too long to be anything, but I just can't get it. Hmm. And then I get so pissed, I'll just delete the whole thing. Do you think later in life you would go back to painting, like get totally away from this description of comic book fantasy concept art? Do you think you would ever just, you know, nature painting attempt something totally different, almost Bob Ross like, and try to see if your skills can come back? Does it pay me? 
that's what I'm asking. Like, what if you had a gallery or something? Would would this even be something that's tempting? Yeah, I think I think I've thought about it. I've definitely thought about like, hey, we have a lot of wall space. I should just paint something, right? But then I'm like, hey, you know, like there there's so many things you can paint and and on a you know on a canvas. And it doesn't have to be what I'm doing now, right? It doesn't have to be people in armor, or it can be. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be aliens, you know, ships, you know, sci-fi ships and everything. So yeah, I was thinking about doing like mixed media again and like mixing you know, oil paints with watercolor yes. and adding dirt to it, you know, giving texture. I think that's what I always love was texture. Another comic book artist, David Mack, who won Eisner awards for actually putting like pieces of wood and like watercolor, gesso paint, um, all mixed together. And he makes this amazing comic book pages. And it's cause he takes a picture of it with a, with like pieces of wood and like lace and everything. So it's that mixed media I think is so different. And I think when you see it in real life, like that's awesome. Like yeah. that, that takes time and care. You must see some beauty in the world that perhaps the common man or common woman doesn't. And when I say that, it's because you do a lot of things that incorporate your art talent. Like when I see you cook, it's about presentation as well. Even though your food tastes mm. good, when you serve the plate, it just looks good. You used to be into fashion. Maybe it's how you see your home looking, like what looks best if you have people over when it comes mm. to decorating or cleaning or even the renovations you guys are doing. Do you feel like it just incorporates your skills into everything you do? Like on a daily basis, are you just living life in every facet as an artist? Well, I think all those facets are a form of art, right? Like if you think... My actual animation teacher in college was, uh, he's an animator at Pixar, and he was taking a break. He was actually teaching my class, which was absolutely amazing, because for a kid in college, you're tasting the industry. Right? Wow. But um, he was telling about himself. He's like, yeah, actually, um, you know, before he was at NASA, he was a bioengineer. Holy shit. This is crazy, right? This actually a lot of artists like do this. Uh, they come from different fields and they, they stumble upon movies or games. Um, so he was at NASA as a bioengineer. He kind of, he did that for like years. He quit that. He uh, went to um, Pixar. He did Toy Story and everything for animation, uh, a couple movies, took a break. He uh, went into the Culinary Academy, CCA in uh, San Francisco, and then graduated that, went back to Pixar and then for a couple of years. And then he did some teaching like, how great a life is that? You know, you you could yeah. easily see this path as desirable. Everything you just said. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. even teaching. Do you think you would ever teach? Teach? Oh yeah. Oh, I, I would definitely. You'd be great. You'd be good. Yeah, I think because a lot of the answers, you know, I didn't get. I would love to at least try to give and because i never had anyone said hey here's a direction right well for a lot of us it's just you find on your own you, you go on the web and you're like oh maybe i should do that you know maybe this is the path but um when you're in school like especially if i visit my old school or um even my classes when i was at uh, ccac in the city the kids are just lost you know they don't know what they're doing mm-hmm. you know they know they're spending thirty thousand dollars a year right you know? right right so someone who's been in the industry can go back and be like don't do this do that this is an absolute waste of time. Or do you really want to be an artist? Do you want to spend you know, $100,000 and pay a grand a month when you're graduated? You know, there's pros and cons, you know? So stuff like that. But going back to like, you were talking about the, co- the cooking, as you're saying, every plate that I do, there's got to be a balance of color. There's got to be like a composition to it. I've noticed. So like, you know, I've noticed. Yeah. You know, it's like in like a, 
fine dining, whatever. They have the spoon and they swipe the color of whatever. Oh, I love it. You know, yeah. So it's like the yellow, whatever. So it's like that. And then you have your steak on the right side, not mm-hmm. in the middle, you know, because you're, you're trying to balance the plate as if it was like a piece of art and just a little sprinkle of the parsley or green onion. Right? <laughs> you just need that little spot of that pop of color. You know, to not make it like uh, like a plate of shit, like diarrhea. Would so. you? <laughs> <laughs> Would you? Sorry for all the diarrhea. If you didn't have that, you know, pinch of parsley or green onion or those chives, would it look incomplete? Even though you know it probably wouldn't alter the taste, but for you. Would it feel incomplete, whatever you're serving? It drive me nuts. How you're funny. Fucking nuts. How funny is that? I don't know that? why. You do. Why. The pièce de résistance. Yeah. I love the final brand and touch on a dish. I will search the, the, the fridge. I'll be like, i got to have some kind of green. Right. And it, it, honestly, it makes a difference when you eat it. Like just a little bit of like herb or whatever. It just fresh and not cooked. It just it bounces on the tongue. Yeah, you live, the, you live your life in the kitchen. It's just, it's comfortable. I think that's where your flow is outside of art. I've seen you. You just, even when you have people over, you're like, I'm not going to sit with you all. I just, I'm full. I've been eating the whole time. Just eat the food. Who needs me to sit? I'm just going to be comfortable doing dishes. Uh, Everything's going. Every appliance is going. I just get more enjoyment of like the the talking you guys are chatting and everything. Like maybe it's a host thing. I love you guys doing your own thing. I'm in the back. You know, slicing and dicing, preparing, whatever. It's it's therapeutic, you know, to know that you guys are, are, are settled, okay. You guys are drinking. You guys are snacking. You know, the belly is a very important thing. Oh. So when the hunger is satisfied, it's the ultimate praise, right? So the fact that I can bring that further in different steps, like the entree, you know, the apps, whatever. If I can close that out right, and you guys are like in kind of a bliss, you know, just like a painting, you did it. Right? Uh, like it's sold. It is you bliss. I'm a good guest. I come with an appetite ready to consume. Shanice's like, should That's we have them over? Weird. I'm like, no, let's keep going over there. I can tell Brandon's more comfortable in his own kitchen. You know, That's why you're allowed. I know. Whenever I see someone with a skill, I do wonder if it's innate, if it's nature nurture, where it comes from. So I asked you when we were younger, was your mom an artist? Was your dad an artist? And you said, well, actually my grandma was a skilled artist yeah. back in the Sausalito art scene going way back. And you uh-huh. grew up in your grandma's house. I want you to describe uh-huh. what role she played in your life, not just with these art genes, but your grandma who passed away a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. What role did she play in your life as a person, as an artist and beyond? Uh, she was a powerful lady, but she <laughs> she loved me through buying me food. Great lady. Um, <laughs> Great lady. She was the artist of the family. She was kind of like, you know, the main breadwinner. She was an old artist, but didn't continue it, you know, when she has a career. But she always wanted me not to be an artist. She, you know, as a woman, are you kidding? Back in those days, trying to be a career woman, you know, illustrating for Bloomingdale's, trying to be a mad woman. Imagine just being cast aside all the time. So, I mean, she was also a Sausalito Art Festival. Um, well, she helped create it, but she was an old, you know, painter. But in, in the house, I think, A, she never wanted me to be an artist, so she never really taught me anything. I tried. I tried mm-hmm. to kind of, like, inch my way in there and be like, hey, teach me some stuff. Teach me the good stuff. And I, she did once, and I, 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 she wasn't a good teacher. <laughs> I remember I did some sketching, and we tried to analyze it. She, she actually said in quotes, well, what are you doing here? This is bullshit. What is this? <laughs> I said, Grandma, what, Fierce. What, what, what does that mean? 
Like, what's in our terms? What does that mean? <laughs> in uh, our terms, this is bullshit. Well, what did she want you to be? She tried to steer you away from art. Do you remember what she said would be a better be path? Construction. 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 Oh, I'm so happy you she disregarded that. Make, yeah, dude. Well, God, she wanted me to be in a union, which you know, I get. Um, but they were paid well, you mm-hmm. know, um, which they still are. They're paid well. It's a good trade to know that stuff. You know, carpentry is just huge. So she always thought like that would be super important. Is that old school? I don't know. Yeah, she's from a different but, generation. When you start talking about a union, a reliable paycheck, because you've said you're in an industry where you probably will get fired a few more times and hired here and there. That doesn't yeah. appeal to that generation. They want you to solidify your career path just so you're a provider in a stable home. Yeah, I think that's all she, she was kind of hoping for, but I couldn't help it. Like, she, you know, walk past my room. I'm doing art, dude. She didn't even, like, even have to, like, push pencils in front of me it just happened and you know like art is said to be not a passed down gene the brain is a muscle and you have to work at it you know especially for an artist to be good so that's the weird part is my aunt uh went to school in italy to be a painter my mom was more of a ceramic person but my mom my grandma was the illustrator and so i kind of got a little bit of everything from that which is weird because it's not supposed to be passed down but ask any artist family it's passed down i didn't know that that it's not supposed to be i figured um, maybe it is, but then again, you know, look at Magic Johnson's kid. There's a lot of athletes who give birth to kids that can't play sports. So I guess, you know, you get to be your own person. Your kids, you know, what are they? Nine and six? Are those the ages? Yeah, gonna be. Do you um, do you expect yeah. art skills, or you have no clue? So one is the athlete for sure. Uh, the other one is absolutely not the athlete. He is the artist. So I do have an artist and I have an athlete. So I was hoping a little balance of, of each, you know, per, per kid. Yeah. But um, with any parent, you realize that each kid you have is, is complete opposites. So, uh, but I like the contrast. So if I have one artist, I won't tell him to go to art school ever. I will say, I will push it on, do, do what you're going to do. And if he does do art, then okay. But I'm not going to force him to do it. Good dad. Yeah. If you put in the effort, you'll see the results. It's also social yeah. capital, who you know. I mean, basically, that is totally. huge nowadays. Who do you know who could get you in the door? Where did your love for horror movies come from? <clears throat> horror movies? My mom. Do you enjoy being scared or do you not get scared? It has to be one or the other. Do you like the feeling of being freaked out or do you not really get that freaked out by these movies? No, I do, for sure. Like, my first horror movie was, that I can remember, was Aliens, <laughs> which I don't even know, it's a, it's a science fiction horror, I guess, or science fiction action, whatever. No, it's James scary. Cameron film, it's, no, it's, it's scary. the most amazing film, it's my number one film of all time, um, but it did scare the crap out of me. And then that triggered a bunch of vintage movies. My mom loved horror, so we'd watch Halloween together. We watch all those like uh, slasher films, like uh, Halloween, you know, Michael Myers, all that stuff. She loved that. Poured it all onto me. And then, um, uh, not really Nightmare on Elm Street and all that stuff, but Jason Voorhees for sure. Definitely a Friday the Thirteenth type of kid. The gore, I don't like. I think it's just it. It's it makes me want to vomit. Mm-hmm. You know, at a certain mm-hmm. certain point. But I love Insidious. Like I love the ghost. I love creaky music. Um, even though absolutely characters in movies make the worst decisions known to man and you want to scream at the TV, but, um, I love the thrill. I love the supernatural. I don't like the gore. 
I think that's where it loses me. And I'm like, I gotta go. You know, like, like I remember seeing a scene in um, one of the saws where they're trapped and if they oh, I saw saw their own arm and liver, yeah, and weigh it to open a door. I'm like, I'm good. You know, like <laughs> I remember that. I'm I start good. gagging. I'm like, dude, come on. Like even filming it, I would start to gag. It affects me. I mean, I watched Paranormal Activity with you, and I couldn't handle it. <laughs> I honestly remember looking at the wall, pretending I was still watching it. I was like, Brandon, I can't handle that porch swing. I can't handle the drawer opening. And even when it was time for me to go take a piss, I was like, I just am going to hold it because I didn't want to go down your dark hallway. That's how scared I get. I was like, why does he enjoy this? I guess this will be my Halloween podcast. So it's good to talk a little horror movies with you. Yes. Your love of Bruce Lee. Let me bring that up. I just want to read you a quote. Here's a question I've never asked you. The quote is, the key to immortality is first living a life worth remembering. I love that. And Bruce Lee, obviously, a philosopher, not just an actor, not just a martial artist. But when he says the key to immortality, live a life worth remembering, it kind of helps me fear death a little less. Because if you do live a satisfying life where you feel it was fulfilling and you understood that it was temporary, maybe you don't have to fear it. But what about you? Do you fear death? No. Um, it's you know, The weird thing is, I, I see movies where they talk about, like, you gain your honor, your value, um, not to fear death in battle kind of a thing. I definitely gravitate th- towards that. So I don't want to, like, you know, like, yearn and just be pathetic in my old age and try and stay alive, you know, push those pills, push those surgeries to keep going. I think, you know, you've had your life and you, you did what you did. You got what you got. And, you know, for me who married a wonderful woman, uh, Mm -hmm. definitely, I could, I could definitely say my best friend. And then two kids who are healthy, you know, we're all healthy. Um, we live in Novato, have a job. We all have a job, you know, like it's, it's that American dream that everything's okay and you're, you're doing day to day. I don't yearn for like, Oh, I need that extra little bit in my life to, you know, fulfill me, you know, dude. How great. I, I go day, I go day to day. You know, I, I don't need the extra climbing Mount Everest to get that adrenaline junkie kind of feeling. Like I get adrenaline, you know, just being on the couch, honestly, watching a movie with my kids, me like, too. Yeah. knowing that they're okay. They're fed. Uh, we get a little excitement here and there. We get to go together, you know, as a family. That's it for me. So if it, when it's time to go, I'm I'm ready to go. And I, I feel like, you know, when it's time, it's time. Because it's been good. I guess no regrets. Look, you've been given all these blessings. The way you put it, health. You live in a good city and a good home. You got a job with a wife and kids. This is a slice of the American dream when you describe it. And I do think that quote, you know, have a life worth remembering definitely what you're currently doing so i want to give you props on that i got three quick ones before i let you go i let you go back to the couch um you're on a road trip let's say eh, four hours but you only get one cd and yes i said cd nothing streaming that's so messed up any artist any band you've had so many phases you've liked rock you've liked hip-hop you've liked techno dance what do you think would be the one cd on loop for a road trip that you could commit to and just continue loving and loving and not want to fast forward through any of the tracks. That's so mean. It's tough. It's tough. Uh, you talking about like now or just like a your entire life, time. your entire life. You know, we live in a world where we can make our own mixes and you want me to do one. 
Uh, I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> Dude, this would take me like at least a month to like filter this out. Well, if I gave you uh, three, what's one of them three. that would be? You got to say an Alice in Chains album, right? That was your band. Uh, yes. Stone I'm Temple Pilots? Chain, Jar of Flies. Oh my God, you're bringing the Aussie? This, you're going back. Okay. <laughs> so if it was the Stone Temple Pilots album, God, both one and two was amazing. If, if I'm doing a journey, I would say the second album. And I, I apologize if I don't remember, but the Stone Temple Pilots, the second album, Alice in Chains, Jar of Flies, that album. And then if I had to pick one right now, then I'm like, I could just roll with it. Yeah. Any any album from 1975. It's an album called 1975. It's a band called 1975. And all their albums have this kind of like, like this retro 80s feel with a little bit of 90s. And it's this kind of Euro pop. And it's... It's so like fun, and I want to dance every time I hear their stuff. I just love it. I've actually heard of them. I had a student with the journalism class who did an article on 1975. I should oh, listen. Really? Yeah, I mean, I don't really know their music, but I've heard of them. All right, oh, you're, you're in the lightning round. Even though you're doing a lot of good stuff, what's one thing on the bucket list? And it could be something little like skydiving, but what's just one thing you want to accomplish? From having a food truck one day to you know, perhaps... Um, being on the set of a porno, what do you think is one thing you would still like to do? One thing I'd like to do, um, I would definitely, I would say do something with food for sure. Um, whether it's have a little stand selling, uh, Cuban meats, Asian food. Oh yeah. I'd want to do that. Oh yeah. Um, just selling black beans and rice and, uh, Ropa Vieja. I think, Obviously, all of that is from my mother-in-law's recipe, but I think the world needs to to taste it, and it's amazing, and it's it's just something different. I mean, Cuban food in, in Novato? Come on. <laughs> I would love it. You should just open up the stand right in your driveway. I guarantee there'd be a line. <laughs> Word of mouth is so popular. It. Next door. Yeah. Word of mouth. All right. You had kids before I became a dad, and I would ask you, what's it like? And you were pretty simple with how much you enjoyed it. You're just like, I don't remember life before this. It's when you start living. I remember you would say, it's when you start living. So just tell me, on the best day, you have two boys. What do you love about it? Can you describe what you love about being a dad? Yeah. Well, obviously, you know, but not your audience. Um, I, I wasn't raised with my dad. My dad was in, in prison for 20 years. So I didn't have that male bonding, male uh, authority figure. You know, my mom was pretty much both so props to mom for you know playing catch with me and being amazing um for me when i when i held jason for the first time it, it as i as i told you it was that aha moment right i was like oh this is what you're supposed to do in life if you talk about like an evolution standpoint all we're supposed to do is like keep the human race going keep wow. your keep your family your sperm going your your line um and you hold your baby for the first time it's definitely a part of you it's a part of you this being that's a part of you and it's this slice of life that you get and i think seeing them every day um especially when they start to have features like you they start acting like you but in, in the, at the same time carving out their own character and the just the funny moments and the the random moments and I don't know the stuff maybe I didn't get to see or didn't do, you know, that to me is what it's all about. Um, I'm still working on, you know, playing, you know, getting the time and saying those right one liners that you hear in movies to like <laughs> to be the great dad and to, you know, play catch outside. And 
I'm still kind of an idiot and play games here and there, but my kid's a gamer now too, playing Fortnite, and he's, he's getting his victory royales. He's almost like better than me at the age of nine. But looking at their faces and, and seeing, you know, my and my face and Sarah's face, my wife. So I think that's what parenthood for, for me is all about. That's so well said. Honestly, Brandon, that's beautiful. I have nothing to add. That's just a awesome description of what you've been living. (laughs) I wrote it down. I'm just reading a script for this podcast. (laughs) All right. Well, I get to release you. Your nerves can be released. You're fantastic. I appreciate you coming on. And I guarantee this is a capsule, even if you don't listen to this today, tomorrow, or for a few years. But one day you'll tune into episode 114 and go, oh, yeah, I remember joining Josh that night. So I really do appreciate this. I love you, buddy. Thank you. No problem. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be on again. You're gonna put me on again. So. Hell yes, I will. <laughs> I will. It'll be a promotional vehicle for the next video game Hangar 13 puts out. Yeah, let's let's get dirty next time. Let's get dirty. All right, buddy. Let's I'll talk get dirty. to you. <laughs> okay, man. Peace. See ya. All right, there he is, Brandon Lie, bringing some wisdom to the podcast. That man has a lot of depth and a lot of talent, and holy shit, can he cook? I got to find a way to get myself invited there very soon to invade his kitchen. So I hope you enjoyed it. Hope it did everything for you that you were hoping it would do. Hope you got to know a little more about the video game world, the art world, and just get some of his thoughts on parenting and life beyond. Okay. Little Mac Mall to take you out. All right, episode 114 is in the books. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.